live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Who are the Green Bay Packers? Don't worry, uh, Rogers. I got your back. Oh, my God. That was a classic moment on Jeopardy uh-huh. if you haven't seen that. And conspicuous by his absence is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, who is in his bunker getting ready for his draft analysis next week for the NFL. And we are expecting a doozy of an episode I'll coming. I'll say, if you've seen the meme with Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, the one where he's going crazy and he's making the connections and everything, uh, allegedly that is what Coach looks like right now. Seriously, we have had reports come into us that that is his literal setup right now. I'll say his wife messaged me and goes, oh my God, what did you do to him? Yes, yeah, so Coach will be back next week. And we're going to be doing the two-show format next week as well. So one episode is going to be devoted to sports because you know we deep dive into the NFL draft like nobody else. And we're also going to have a companion entertainment edition where we talk movies, TV, comics, and so much more. But that's next week. You tuned in for this week. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You can find our links for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podchaser. If you're doing the reviews for good, thank you to everybody who's been leaving us reviews. We're trying to answer them back as much as we can. It's going to a good cause. And so much more. The T Public store, you name it, is ODPH. It is there. So definitely swing on by. And remember, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But let us kick off this episode, Pad, talking about... I think our the panel's favorite show right now. Yes. We say it every week, and when we think, okay, maybe they plateaued a little bit, no, 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 we turn up the pressure just a little bit more, get us more hooked in to the Falcon and Winter Soldier saga. God damn. Man, this uh, so, this whole series has been phenomenal. This, uh-huh. is, this has been my show of the Marvel Disney Plus shows that I've had circled. I, I could not wait to see. It has lived up to billing, Yeah, and they show no signs of slowing down, so we are going to be breaking down... The most recent episode, episode four, entitled The Whole World is Watching. So if you haven't watched, for whatever reason, pause the episode right here, go catch up, or otherwise you be prepared to be spoiled because we go deep diving in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was the best episode yet. Uh, When I loaded up the Disney Plus and was getting ready to sit down and watch it, I read the title and went... Okay, a little bit of an ominous title. Uh, we'll see where this goes. You know, just the phrase alone, the whole world is watching. There, there's a lot behind that. There's multiple meanings it could entail. So I figured something would happen involving the world and, and views and all that. Uh, did not expect what we got. God damn. You wonder why I hate the U.S. agent so much. <laughs> this episode is just prime example. I cannot stand the character of John Walker. Wyatt Russell is phenomenal. I am going to say this first and foremost. He is doing an amazing job making me hate John Walker each and every episode thus far and shows no sign of slowing down. No. Because obviously this has got a lot of moving parts going on with this, and we know that after last week's cliffhanger episode that Io has tracked down Bucky Barnes to go, why did you free Baron Zemo? Yep. We pick up very quickly where Io lets Bucky know, hey, 
You have no right to free him. Mm-hmm. If, she's got a bone to pick with him about it, and uh, she's got a very short amount of patience. Yes, and as we see, though, a little flashback episode two, Io was one of the uh, most significant characters to help Bucky break his uh, brainwashing program. Yeah, which was cool to see. It was very cool to see just how he was, she was able to break through and bring him back to some sense of normalcy, getting out of the Winter Soldier program. Unbrainwash him. Yeah, it was a very cool scene to see the kick yeah. off the episode. So yeah. thus, you now know the gravity when Io sees uh, Bucky and is asking those questions because they have that history together, and Bucky definitely owes an explanation. And he's trying to say, hey, we have to stop this threat. We are doing what we have to. But this is not flying with the people from uh, of Wakanda. Yeah, the Do- Dora Milaje. You know, she's like, listen, we need to take this guy in because of what he did. And Bucky's like, listen, I get that. I understand that. And you can do that, just not yet because he's a means to an end. Yes, because once Zemo killed their king, King T'Chaka. Yep. He is now a marked man for Wakanda. He's like public enemy number one. That like, Rightfully so, yeah. Yeah, that like they don't care about anything else going on right now. He's out and uh, yeah, we want him back. Yes. So the ultimatum is given in a somewhat compromise. You have eight hours. Yeah, which is not a lot of time. It's definitely not a lot of time to track down the flag smashers and the conspiracy going on with the super soldier serum and everything that is going on from that side. And then obviously the U.S. agent, uh, a.k.a. fake cap. Yeah. And the U.S. government trying to get involved as well. So the stakes are definitely rising more and more. But the ultimatum is given. But while this is all going on, Zemo is also trying to get his proverbial pot going. Mm-hmm. He's trying to start cooking yeah. his scheme. Because yeah. you know that everything that they're trying to establish with him is definitely going to fall apart. Uh-huh. One thing I will say about Daniel Brule's performance, he's making you almost sympathize with Zemo. Yeah. Which is so weird to me. Yeah, like, and it's not even for me not a full-blooded, like, Oh, I feel bad for you. It's kind of like a maybe you're not the worst guy in the world. Like in terms, maybe if I'm ranking like Marvel villains, like from like absolute worst human or whatever species you are beings, to like the not so bad. You know, you're 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 trying to make me not get down a few pegs. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see how this has been flipped to where Zemo is almost being exonerated of his past crimes almost and now being accepted as like a anti-hero yeah it's so weird to see because if you've read avengers comics throughout the years or captain america comics throughout the years zemo is not a nice person no and he's not this charismatic to where he's getting away with a lot of the stuff he is doing yeah and, and it seems to be this kind of common thing they're doing with some of the characters both in this show and wandavision where didn't get the most complex or de- deep uh, backstories or kind of like character motivations or this or that when they first debuted. And so now they're kind of like going back and like doing like a, not like a full blown retcon, but like kind of like a soft, Hey, let's just add some stuff in here that you didn't know before. Yeah. It's very interesting to see how this is all playing off, but where Zemo is really assisting the team is he is tracking down, uh, Morgenthau, mm-hmm. the head flag smasher at this stage. Yes. And obviously where her character is going is tying up loose ends with her adopted mother's funeral. Yeah. So this is a very cool scene to see. Aaron Kellerman has been doing a phenomenal job, too, in this role as Carly Morgenthau. And as we see, Zemo is leading the team to to find her. But during this, they are interrupted by fake Cap and fake Bucky. Because, of course, they are. Because it has to. And... When this is going on, obviously, John Walker is trying to interject himself and be the hero that he's not. And I'm sorry, he's not. 
and it's definitely coming across uh-huh. that way to the professionals, that he is definitely the rookie that's trying to outplay his position. And when he's trying to intercept what's going on, he winds up ruining a moment because Sam actually, with the help of Zemo, gets into the funeral and, and gives a chance to speak to uh, Carly about this. Yeah. And it's almost a weird connection that he understands what's going on. Yeah. And he can definitely relate yeah. to the cause and the ideas what they're doing, but he can't agree with the methods that are going on. Like, this is probably the strongest, one of the strongest moments of this episode, in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah, especially, like you said, the conversation that Carly has with Sam, where basically Carly lays out why they're doing what they're doing, that they're not just doing it for any, you know, self-absorbed personal reasons. It's just, and, and we kind of find out why they want to get back to the way things were in the blip, because... Oh, yeah, environmentally, you know, things improved. But just it seems like it, it, it's kind of all this, this interesting. Why would you want to go back to that kind of upheaval and craziness? She explains that once the snap happened and things were kind of up in arms, that, like, borders didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That, like, there was nobody to enforce them. Nobody cared. So if you're in, you know, Germany, if you live in Germany and all of a sudden you're up, you're getting upheaved because – you know, just because of the luck of the draw or lack of luck, I guess you could say, your entire village or town is gone. So you go across the border into France. They didn't care. They're going, hey, you're a you're a human being. We're a human being. Let's help each other. And that's the way it went for five years. And it was almost this return to like very ancient human history where it's like there are no borders. There are no countries. It's just people helping people. And once everyone came back. At the drop of a hat, it wasn't. There, it just seems like there wasn't anything planned. There wasn't any like lead up. Hey, here's what we got to do. Here's the way we got to go about it. It's just like, hey, yeah, everyone's back into us or the borders. Get the fuck out. Yeah, it's so interesting to see this play. Excuse me. That the flag smashers' cause is being a relatable one because if and I keep harping back to the comics. This was never really established with these characters, but now you're getting all these sides where you're seeing that not everything is just good guy versus bad guy. There's so many multi-layers yeah. to this. And I think this is really such strong storytelling for the show. That I think oh, this absolutely. Is, this is why it's really definitely connecting to the audience because you're not just seeing everything as just, okay, the good guys are coming in and they've got to stop Thanos or whoever the villain of the week is. No, there's reasons for this action. And I always say with villains, too, if it's something that a reader can relate to or understand, it definitely makes their story a lot stronger. Oh, Absolutely. So as we see, Sam is having this great moment talking with Carly, and, I, and he's saying, like, I understand what you're doing, but you, but how you're going about this is wrong. Yeah. And unfortunately, John Walker decides to go John Walker. I'll say Fake Cap doesn't have the most patience in the room, uh, has the least, in fact, and goes, they had to have been in there for maybe five minutes. Yeah, now, not even. Not even. Now, I know now I'm not talking TV time. I'm talking, like, real time. Maybe five minutes. Not even. And he's like, yep, time's up. Get the fuck out. Go get her. Yeah, he's just too impatient for this because he cannot handle losing this one. I think I think it's a combination of that, and he also can't handle being not, be, not being the person in charge, the one calling the shots, the one telling people what to do. That Now, admittedly, I don't know much about his character history from prior to being, you know, fake cap or whatever, but I would like to imagine that in his time in the military – you know, person of power got to a high position, high point of rank and in charge of a lot of people. And a lot of people came to him and listened to what he says. And now all of a sudden he's dealing with, yeah, there's still some people who do that involved with the U S military and the folks that answer to him. But then you have folks like Sam and Bucky and, and Zemo that 
cool. You're wearing the sh- you're wearing the out- a modified version of the outfit, and you have the shield. You're still not him. Not gonna listen to you. Exactly. And he, and he just can't handle not being in charge. No, he can't handle it, and he can't handle the fact that not everybody gravitates toward him like they did Steve Rogers. Yeah. That his way is not the one that represents what Captain America and the mythos stands for. Yeah. And he is losing his mind about this because the way that I'm interpreting this is once he got the mantle, he thought everybody was just going to fall in line. I, yeah. His way or the yeah, highway. Yeah, I thought he's, the same thing. He's the guy. Just because just because he's wearing the outfit, albeit, like I said, a modified version of it, he thought people would just be like, oh, yeah, you're him. I love you. But it, like, not the case. Like, it, it's like you see with sports. Guy takes over for, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Derek Jeter, Peyton Manning. You know, Brett Favre, insert insert person. Some instances, the person who steps in, you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, this person steps in, does great. Other times, not so much. Yeah, it's just one of those weird situations. I guess in comic terms, we can always refer to it as when Bruce Wayne passed the mantle to John Paul Valley. Yeah. And how bad that went. Yeah. And that is definitely a very low point in Batman history, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of almost a mirror reflection, so to speak, except uh, John Walker, I guess, is a, I don't know if he's more mentally stable than Jean Paul Valley. That would be a great crossover collision, too. i got to remember hit up JVD and Evan about that. I digress because once Walker kicks in the door and ruins the conversation going on, a fight ensues. And this is another great action sequence. And during this time, too, Zemo disrupts the Super Soldier Serum suitcase. Yep. And they go crashing everywhere. And he's going back to his moment of saying how we shouldn't be worshiping gods. Yeah. And how he takes it upon himself to start smashing those vials. Yep. And I thought it was very interesting that he went about this route. And I and I and he missed one. Right. Which was picked up by one John Walker in not a surprise. very secretive manners. Yes. Not a surprise at all because, as we say, he's his ego and... His perception of reality is definitely not handling the situation that he is pretty much the the third wheel, fourth wheel. Yeah, well, and I also think he's got a slight not good envy of those with super soldier uh, serum in their body. Whereas, you know, he sees how Cap is revered. He's seen how he sees how Bucky is Bucky, you know, and, and I think he's slightly envious of all that because... You know, like the first time I think he mentions it is, you know, all oh, super soldiers here. Like, that's a thing. That's real. Yeah. And then there's the one line he has in a later episode where I, he says something to Bucky about super soldiers here. That like just the way he said it and his tone and everything that I'm like, you're jealous of him. Yeah. That like, listen, Bucky ain't happy about the circumstances that put him in the position he's in. I, I'm sure given if he could go back and change things, maybe he would. Maybe he would. I don't know. But, you know, Bucky's not happy about how he got to where he is. So for, for Walker to sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, without saying it, go, oh, I'm jealous of you. I wish I had super soldiers here. I'm like, really? Would you want to go through all the bullshit and crap he had to do over the 50-plus years? Yeah, it's just a very interesting take that they have. But for John Walker, he is just trying to find his place now that he has the mantle. And if they're not listening to him, he's really trying to force his way yeah, and oh yeah. impose his will, so to speak. I know we refer to that in UFC terms. But that's what he's trying to do by any means he can, even though he does apprehend Zemo. Yeah. And I will say he makes one very, very great mistake. Because once Io and the Dora Maji come in for Zemo, 
Yeah. He decides to say, nope, he is coming back with us. Hi, I'm Captain America. I'm Captain America. You're going to listen to me. And that is not standing. And Io and company beat the holy hell out of everybody in the room. I love the whole interaction with him in the Dora Milaje uh, before the fight where, like, they come in. And Sam and Bucky almost, like, recoil. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you know they know who they know who they are. Zemo probably knows who they are, just given how connected he is. Obviously, uh, Fake Cap has no fucking clue who they are, just based on the fact that he goes up to them and goes, "Hi, I'm I'm John Walker, Captain America," and he puts on the fake smile and extends the hand, and they just look at him and give him the most "I don't give a fuck who you are" mm-hmm. look, and that was incredible. It was amazing. I was loving this episode. Anytime John Walker gets his ass kicked, I am here for it. Oh, and especially the, like they're whooping his ass, and Sam goes, "We should probably do something." And and uh, Bucky, without missing a beat, arms folded. Sam there goes, "Doing a good job, John." Yep, perfect. Because they know what's going to happen. Oh yeah. And then when they even get involved too, Bucky has a moment with Io. Yep. That I know caught some static online about. Because Io disables his arm. Uh, dear Io, Rocket Raccoon would like to know how you do that. Exactly. And it made perfect sense because yeah. with Bucky's history, in case something should happen, yep. this was the failsafe that oh, they yeah. could disconnect his arm. And she's a high, and I would imagine that this isn't something every, you know, Dora Milaje or any high, like every person in Wakanda knows. It's probably like a need to know basis. Where like okay, if if you're in a high enough position of power, or you have a certain status or rank, you know how to do. Like I'm sure, you know, where he's still alive, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, his character would know how to do that. Shuri, yeah, T'Challa would know. T'Challa would know. Shuri would know. You know, obviously, Io knows because she was a very high ranking uh, member of the Dora Milaje. So it's like, of course, she knows. Yes. So I mean, that was kind of cool moment that happens as well. But at the end of the day, Zemo winds up escaping Yep. because he is definitely showing his Zemo tendencies as such a cool calculating villain that I that this whole thing about him being sympathetic is just going out the window. Like, I can't wait for this to finally come to fruition, and he does something truly Zemo-esque. Yeah. But he winds up escaping, and John Walker is sitting there with egg on his face uh-huh. because for as big and bad as he thought he was, he got his ass kicked. And he's steaming. Oh, he's so fuming. Oh. I must have watched this scene about three times. I, am I don't, not, I don't I'm, blame you. I'm not going to lie. I was here for it. But as this is going on, they do kind of fast forward a little bit, and Carly gets in touch with Sam and threatens his sister, Sarah. Yeah, gets in touch with Sam through his sister. Which, yeah. Woof. Well, you have to think that the Flag Smashers are big enough that they'd be able to track down Sam, who is a public figure. Oh, yeah. And they'd be able to, f- to find a weakness in him. And obviously his sister, what's going on there, oh, yeah. is one that drives the point home. Because as far as Carly knows that Sam you know, is trying to portray this, everything is all right. And, and it, oh, I understand how you feel. Yeah. Like, really? Or are you just saying this to kind of get in my good graces? Exactly. So as she forces the hand by threatening Sarah... And this is kind of a very cool moment that's going to lead into something else, as we as we know, that anything is off, is off limits is not off limits. Yeah. For the flag smashers, yeah. like that's how dedicated Carly is, because now you're involving Sam's sister. How is that going to play out? We don't know. Meanwhile, there is kind of like a heart to heart between Walker and Hoskins, you know, aka Battlestar. Yep. And they're sitting there signing autographs, and you know, the situation of the Super Soldier Serum comes up because obviously they're handling that they got their asses kicked. Yeah. And it comes up in conversation, and, and Walker's like, well, if you had the chance to take the serum, would you do it? And Hoskins is like, no, I wouldn't. 
And it's kind of foreshadowing, obviously, what we know to come about because there is a vial that Walker has yeah. that is kind of gaining dust as far as we know. After this is going on, there is another engagement with the Flag Smashers. Yep. And this leads to another very big fight because during this time, this is where a tipping point is going. But before we get to the big moment of this episode. Well, so, no, so yeah, the, uh, Sam meets up with Carly, mm-hmm. starts talking with her. Uh, at this point, uh, so earlier in the episode, uh, Sam has called Sharon and called in a favor like, hey, listen, for they need satellites, they need to track somebody. She goes, oh, yeah, I got a few satellites. Uh, she then calls Sam while he's talking to Carly and says, hey, don't know how, but Walker's tracked uh, tracked down the Flag Smashers. He, he's on their way. He's on their, his way there. And so Sam, looking at his, his fancy, fancy Apple 35 watch, whatever the hell that thing is. The Stark 5000. Oh, there we go. Uh, sees the satellite projection. Like, oh, fuck, he's here. Uh, then they, the fight ensues with... You know, between uh, Walker and her. Yes, and during this point, we definitely know that Walker has leveled up tremendously. Yeah, a little bit. He's definitely smashing a lot more. He's bending a bar in half. Yeah. Which was like, we now know that he took the Super Soldier Serum. He can thank Jose Canseco. Yeah, because especially there was one question I had when I saw this. Sure. I mean, let me bring it up to you. Sure. Before... He took the Super Soldier Serum. Mm-hmm. Was it ever confirmed that he took something else beforehand? No, um, because they made a point in saying, I think it was the first episode. It was the first episode. It, they made a point in saying in the first episode, and they didn't say what specifically, mm-hmm. but they just said he tested off the charts in every category. Now, I'm sure I could ask my brother, because my brother is in the U.S. Army, what that would entail, mm-hmm. but I would imagine, you know, hot, you know, and all the strength agility speed like i'm sure it might be that kind of stuff that he tested off the charts on that so i'm sure there was already a little bit of like you know strength in there but to the level he was showing in this no see i was actually somewhat curious if he took something like a prototype that the u.s government was working on maybe and this was just the real deal that was the proven factor. Maybe. And he took it on top of it. Maybe. I, I would imagine that there, yeah, that could be the case. Because in terms of the vial he stole, I can't imagine them, them being the writers, having him take the serum off screen and not showing us. Because that to me, just that scenario just screams of a scene you would see in a movie or TV show where like, the villain or the or the bad guy or whoever's got it in their back pocket, and they're like, "Oh, you think I'm done? Ha ha ha!" And un, you know, uncorks the bottle and and drinks it. Like that's a moment they're saving. I feel like to actually show on screen. So, I, th- I think we're gonna see it next episode. To be honest, with could you. be because once we see that Walker is completely let's Ro- fa- roided out. Yeah, let's face it, he's roiding out. He is just unstable ah. and just really trying to just be over-the-top aggressive with everybody. So the situation is getting out of hand, and obviously Hoskins is sitting there trying to do what he can. Yeah, and He's he, trying to hold his own water, and it ain't working. Yeah, he's definitely not. So when him and uh, Carly start going at it, Carly hits him so hard, he breaks his neck yep. off a pillar. Yep, that actually shatters part of the pillar. Yes. Yo. So he is killed instantly. Uh-huh. Now... This is where the episode really gets very just dark and goes completely in a different direction. Because once John Walker sees this and he comes over and he's trying to save his friend, and the one backer that he's had this entire run as Captain America is now gone. Yep. He loses it. 
I'll say it, it's the polar opposite of what happened when Bucky lost uh, 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 Steve. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Bucky's kind of solemn, kind of somber, doing his own thing, like, uh, you know, respectful. Walker's like, you know, fuck the world. He's ready to kill everybody and is trying to. And he sees that Carly's uh, tr- most trusted assistant is running away. And he goes and tracks him down yeah. in a very open public place and starts beating him senseless, even though he's screaming for mercy. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know it, which, okay, may or may not be true, you know, talking out his ass. Yes. You know, but just starts beating the holy hell out of him. Right. And at this time, too, he raises his shield over his head and kills him. Yep. Right in front of a whole bunch of people with cell phones. Pretty sure he decapitated him. Yes, which they don't show because, duh. No, the, the, but there's enough blood there that I'm pretty, and it's the and it's, it's now he's not taking the front of the shield, the star part of the shield. He is picking it up, you know, top to bottom, twelve to six motion, from the side, beating him with that. So I'm and just given the amount of blood that's there, I'm pretty sure he decapitated him. This reminded me, and I'm going to throw this back to the comics of when Captain America killed Baron Blood, mm-hmm. and this is when Cap did the same thing, decapitate him with his shield. This happened right in broad daylight, except Cap didn't kill a vampire. He killed a human being. Right. And very, very violently. And that is now the message that is going off yeah. all over the world. Oh, yeah. Because they, the, the, the filmmakers, the, the person directing photography, made a point while this was going on to show a shot of him do of him standing there, looking over over this guy, while the crowd's looking, and very clearly showed somebody holding an iPhone. And as an iPhone owner, I can confirm someone holding an iPhone with it on the video setting on the camera mm-hmm. with it recording. Yes. So now, congratulations, John Walker. You just went viral. Say so you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, you're on Christ knows whatever else is out there. Yes, and that is how. This episode ends with him staring at the crowd that is taping him. The, oh, fuck. Yeah, the worst possible scenario for the Steve, or I mean the Captain America mythos has now just happened. I mean, the only way it could have been worse is if it was like in the middle of Washington, D.C. This I, is already bad enough, but like put it in the middle of Washington, D.C. and It's a little worse. I, You know, honestly, I think it, it could have happened anywhere, but now it's on tape that he went off the rails like this. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That it wouldn't matter where. Which, but knew, I, which if, again, if you know the character, you knew this was coming. But even if you don't, like myself, I'm not. I'm versed with him because I found a video on YouTube that explained his whole history. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the stuff in the comics didn't go super in depth, but like enough that I'm like, okay, I know who he is. But even if you don't know much about the character in the comics... Should have seen this coming between when he showed up to help Sam and Bucky on the top of the two uh, trucks and he shot the one guy Mm -hmm. to when he and and his fake uh, fake Bucky and his whole soldier crew were looking for Carly bust into that fake, you know, uh, workshop or whatever it is. People were working on shirts or whatever the heck they were working on. And he has uh, he he has uh, his buddy. I'm forgetting the name. Uh, start ask, translating and asking him questions and asking, and he's like, listen, I don't know. I'm not telling you anything, blah, blah. He's like, you're going to tell us or I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah, when Hoskins is trying to do the translating work, Walker is just unhinged. I mean, that's the one thing about him in the situation, that for the image that's being portrayed, that he's this cool, calculating soldier that can just handle everything, 
he is just literally an overgrown child. Yep. Sorry. It is fact that this has just wound him up to a point where he can't handle being the second fiddle. And he is just, if we can use the video game turn, rage quitting and and running. Uh-huh. Because that's all he's done. But now he's amped up on super steroids. And what's going to happen from here is going to be anybody's guess. Nothing good it's definitely, for him. It's definitely nothing good. And like with two episodes left, they're going to be tying up a lot of loose ends very, very quickly. Well, especially they gave us the very unusual and very new to Disney yeah. Plus mid-season trailer, which I was not expecting. I was not expecting it, and I'll be honest, I was not happy to see this. I mean, I was I, I was okay with it. It wasn't anything I didn't expect. Right. It wasn't anything I, I wasn't expecting either, but I guess I got to this point where I'm like, we only have two episodes left. Yeah. I don't want to know anything at this point. Well, I mean, they didn't really show anything we didn't expect. It's not like they. It's not like there was a huge Easter egg like teaser, like "Oh, hey, look who's going to show up." It wasn't anything like that. It was like the only thing I really took away from it was Sam and Bucky are going to track him down and, and come go have you know. It's basically right before they're going to go toe to toe with him, and I'm like, okay, yeah, we know that's going to happen. Well, it's eventually going to happen because now you're going to have the battle for the mantle. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense because they basically gave him enough space to either sink or swim. And he decided to just put everything in the ocean. I'll say they gave him enough rope and he decided to hang himself. Yeah. And now they're going to have to go in there and get the shield back, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. With two episodes left, though, Pad, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. There is a rumor going around online about a possible cameo for episode five. Mm-hmm. I know it's not Mephisto. Damn. But do you have any guesses of who this might be? Uh, I cannot take credit for this. I saw this online and I'm like, ooh. I would like that because this would be now the thing we've heard with the cameo is it's not anything like majorly huge. It's a grounded character. Uh, I think this would also play into who the power broker could be. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. Uh huh. I'd be okay with now. They do have the rights to the daredevil. They do have the rights to Kingpin. Uh, this him be him being in control of Madripoor would not be the furthest stretch to imagine. You know, no, I, it'd be a cool way to introduce him and bring him bring him into the uh, uh, mythos, as it were. It would be an interesting play. I, I will say that because I I don't know the top of my head if Kingpin had anything to do with Madripoor. Right. I mean, it's not all the realm of thought. They could, they could write it in because, I, I'm sorry, I know people want Chris Evans to show up. I just don't imagine them paying Chris Evans whatever the hell his his price is for to for movies to make a 30 second appearance. I just don't see it happening. I can see Vincent D'Onofrio happening because a not that expensive so that they can do it and b is shocking enough that would have fans all over the internet going, "Oh fuck," in the kind of the same vein, maybe a little less as with uh Luke Skywalker showing up in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Because and- having the having the Kingpin officially show up in the MCU and I say officially because yeah Hard to say with that whole Netflix thing. Having him officially show up in something that is tied to the cinema cinematic universe officially would be huge. I, I would definitely agree. I mean, I'd mark out if it was. Because the one thing about this online rumor, and just kind of give a little more clarity, it is rumored that it's going to be a first appearance of a character we know in the MCU. So it's not to say that it couldn't be possibly Taskmaster. Yeah. Because there is that history between John Walker and Taskmaster about getting trained. Obviously, with the scheduling conflicts that they've had with Black Widow, that could make some sense, too. I'm going to go out on a limb and say a, kind of a wilder theory. Okay. 
This entire time, I've felt that they are building up slowly but surely for a Thunderbolts project. Okay. I'm not sure to what variation of the team. This might be an all-new variation of the team. Because with Zemo involved, and I'm bringing this back to the comment that he made about you know worshiping false gods, he has always had this grudge against the Avengers. And obviously, how the Thunderbolts came about, they're not going to be doing on the show. I'm sorry, we're not going to have Heroes Reborn Volume 1 <laughs> happen here and, and Life Held Cap and all that jazz. But I think what you're going to see is him maybe forming his own team. Mm-hmm. But what I'm kind of curious is, at the end of all this, when the mantle of Cap is won back to either Sam or Bucky, my gut feeling is it's going to be Sam. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave Bucky moving forward? Could he possibly be joining a team? Mm-hmm. And not to say he's working for Zemo, but it would be possible that he is now stuck with him and the team. Mm-hmm. And almost in the Hawkeye role of the Thunderbolts early series, yeah. which is yeah. when the uh, Zemo was kicked off the team, Hawkeye jumped in to lead the team. Right. And kind of tried guiding, obviously being a former criminal, former villain that is now a hero, would they be trying to do that here? I mean, he could also kind of drop the Winter Soldier moniker type of thing and, and take up, because I know there was an up, whatever, up early episode. They, uh, he, he Either he referred to himself or somebody referred to him as the White Wolf. Well, that was he, what he was called in Wakanda. Yeah, so, I mean, he could take up that mantle and kind of go with that and do something. It is possible for that. Um, I don't know if they would necessarily do that, though. I think that they are going to keep him as the Winter Soldier. But I'm just curious if we're going to see another member of that team form. And I'm going to throw out a, just a crazy idea, and it's going to be Songbird. Okay. So obviously, you know, she is involved in the Thunderbolts, and it would make a lot of sense if they want to do just a slow introduction to her. And Because, right. like I say, at the end of the series, I think we're going to have the Easter eggs planted for a Thunderbolts project. I'm oh, not saying it's sure. going to be a movie, but sure. I, I feel it's going to be more of a Disney Plus show. But we're going to kind of have the slow burn buildup for that. Sure. So I could see that definitely happening. I don't necessarily know how everybody is going to be tying in after this. Obviously, the U.S. agent could be connected. Yeah, maybe. Because I don't think we're going to see John Walker get killed off. And obviously, if you know anything about the comics, the U.S. agent is still lurking around for some well, so he's got his, reason. He's got his own run in comics going right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, they, they restarted it again. And it's in your pull list. I know that. Oh, yeah, it's in my, my pull to the trash. No, I, I should say the book is actually okay, but like I say... I have never been a John Walker fan. I did not like it when he was introduced in the comics. I did not like it that they are borrowing elements, though, for this show. Sure. So makes sense. It, this makes complete sense. And like I say, I have nothing against the people that are creating the comic. I just do not like the character at all. I just, he is not my <laughs> interpretation of Captain America in any which way, shape, or form. And I just can't get down with him. But they are borrowing enough. Like I say, I think they've teetered around a little bit from where they had the watchdogs. And I know you know them from the right. the Avengers game. Right. They did a different interpretation of them in the comics, and John Walker did pretty much the same thing he's doing to the Flag Smashers here, just a little more hardcore and violent, too. But it fits his character, and this is why I say I can't get down with him in any which way, shape, or form. However, I could see him getting added to a team as well. Yeah. Because I know that there's some nonsense talk, and I do, I do mean nonsense because I just don't see this happening, that they're going to do an Avengers West Coast. After the show, not yet, but some point. Maybe at some point, but I just I don't see it happening. I mean, obviously they're kind of doing some characters that are involved with that team, 
But I think at the end of the day, we're not going to see that happen right away. Yeah, at some point, yes, but right now, no. Right. I think what we're going to see at the end of this is the the big reveal of whoever the power broker is. Could it be Sharon Carter? I just, I don't. That that, that feels a little too easy. It, yeah. It's, it's be- just, between her leaving the shipyard, oh, I got a lot to tell you, having access to satellites, it, it feels a little too easy, but yeah. I, I agree, because, I mean, obviously, I think what happens is she winds up coming back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. I think that. that oh, wait, they're actually going to acknowledge S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movies? Uh, I will tell you this. If we have a Phil Coulson appearance please, on Friday, uh, I will do my best to not break my 72-hour embargo. I will try my damnedest. It will be tough because I will probably lose my my stuff on that episode. But it's possible we might get Sharon Carter to come back to S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, obviously, we'll have a little more information after next week's episode. But I think once we figure out who the power broker is, we're going to just tie up everything very, very nicely. And I think that this will be something that we can look back on and say this was another great uh, run for Disney Plus and Marvel. Yeah. That they've really stepped up the game of what we're expecting as fans from this. And for the legacy of Captain America, I think that we're going to end on a very high note. The series is definitely, like I said, went in a very dark direction. Oh, yeah. But it needed to because that is the character of John Walker. And then he crosses the line very blatantly and very recklessly. Uh-huh. And he does this throughout his history of comics. So if anybody's like saying, oh, you know, like, how could he do this? This is a natural reflex for him. This is who he is. Yeah. He's, like I say, he's just a steroided out emotional child that has a shield that thinks he's Captain America. It can never fill Steve Rogers' boots if, if he got thrown in them. <sighs> I digress. But overall, though, Pad, this episode, final thoughts. Uh, amazing episode. Really uh, lived up to the hype. Uh, cannot wait to see where we go from here. Absolutely. This one definitely set the pace for the next two episodes moving forward. The midseason trailer I thought was kind of odd that they did one. I will admit, but it didn't reveal anything that we couldn't suspect already. I just find it so odd that with two episodes left, why would you even tip off anything going on? But that's just me. But this series has been absolutely amazing. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, what can you say about their chemistry on screen? Absolutely crushing it. Wyatt Russell makes me hate him every time I see him as John Walker, but damn what a performance he's doing each and every week. And the rest of the cast and crew has definitely made this a must-watch show each and every week on Disney+. Plus. So if you're not watching it by now, I don't know what else to tell you except just start binging it ASAP and let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Episode 4 of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? The whole world is watching. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go movie. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do ever do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Now, this past week was, dare I say, 
one of the most legendary weeks of professional wrestling in history. Uh, yeah, a little overwhelming at times because normally when I, you watch wrestling, it feels like there's a bit of break, there's a bit of time, maybe a show or two you don't watch, but this was like wall-to-wall nonstop action. Since last Monday to this past Tuesday, mm-hmm. there has been programming from the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, on every single night. Uh, last Monday was, of course, Monday Night Raw. Uh, Tuesday was uh, the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, ceremony, ceremonies, because, yes. of course, last year's didn't happen, so they did both in one night. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday was night one and night two, respectively, of the NXT TakeOver uh, Stand and Deliver. Uh, by the way, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Adam Cole, match of the year. Fight, Holy Fight me on that Jesus, one. Jesus, man. Uh, I agree 100% with Vic Joseph at the end, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, for the love of God, just end it already. Yeah. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you've never seen those two gentlemen fight before. Fuck. You got a treat. That was, that, like, I legitimately, like, after the match, I know I tweeted, I was like, I need a beer after that match. Uh, Yeah, no, that match was insane. Yes, that was a grudge match of all time, and those two gentlemen absolutely stole Knights 1 and 2. Nine, nine, from, nine, from star, nine stars. Nine stars. Doesn't matter if it wasn't in the Tokyo Dome. Nine, <laughs> nine stars. It was incredible. It was on the Peacock Network. Yes. Uh, so the, yeah, that was on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Friday. I believe there's also a SmackDown. Du- well, there was a WWE UK event in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday was, of course, SmackDown. Uh, and then Saturday was night one of WrestleMania. Yes. So we will get into nights one and two, kind of give you our picks that we thought were really worth talking about. Yeah. Because overall, this was the return of fans to watching professional wrestling for the WWE. Yeah, have fans in person. They had a real nice moment uh, before the card started on Saturday night, where which I got to say might take some time and I got to digest it and kind of think about it. Might be my favorite entrance they've had in quite some time. That, that whole pirate ship and the whole look was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vince uh, and the entire main roster, you know, Shane, Stephanie, Roman, you know, everybody was out socially distanced uh, on that main stage to kind of f- greet the fans back, welcome them back. So that was really cool. It was an amazing moment that obviously if you've never been to a live show for professional wrestling, there's something about it when you go mm-hmm. and there's just this feeling and aura around it. Yeah. That you're in for something. If you've never been to a WrestleMania, this is the closest to a Super Bowl. Yeah. This is the closest to a Game 7, if you will, mm-hmm. of your playoffs. Yeah. I mean, whatever is the biggest moment uh, going to Hall H for cons, right. this is up there for wrestling fans. And to see them and the perf- just address the fans and just getting that energy back, you could definitely see it was affecting every performer. That- and, and just seeing how giddy and excited they were because there was a bunch of videos that – the wrestlers themselves and fans had posted of the wrestlers showing up and walking that like path where the two giant chain link fences were. And I know I remembered at one point Lana posting something. It was like either a video or a photo and saying how like she almost got teary eyed because it was like, we missed this. Like, and I know Xavier Woods posted a video of it. I think it was after him leaving night two of just leaving and the fans chanting his name, like, look it up on his Twitter page. But he's like, listen, thank you all. We missed it. Like, he's like, we know you missed us. We missed you just as much. Yeah, like, this is going to be the emotion that going to the first con Uh after how long is going to be. And it's going to be something that you'll remember. And and being somebody watching at home and seeing live crowd and hearing an actual real crowd instead of a, a typed in, you know, program chant. It was something that was just, it took you back in a second. Like, okay, maybe we are getting back to normal. Yeah. And Vince McMahon, I will say, addressed it perfectly. He yeah. got the show going. 
Obviously, they had some problems with the weather. Because Florida. It's Florida. If you've never been to Florida, uh, let me paint a picture for you. Florida, you can have a solid 12, 13 plus hours, heck, even a couple days, where it is sunny, warm, you know, 80 degrees Fahrenheit, convert it to whatever it is for Celsius for you folks around the world, you know, not a cloud in the sky. And then it can all of a sudden just flip on a dime and be looking like a apocalyptic storm is rolling in, rain for five minutes, and then it's back to being sunny and perfectly clear. Right. But the biggest issue for this night, though, was lightning. Yep. So they did have to stop the show and do, yep. and do a little uh, evacuating a little here and there. Yeah, because that's not a Florida thing. That's like an entire U.S. thing, if, right. not, if not a world thing. Like, I know, because I was in marching band in high school, that, like, there were times that they'd have to stop the football game because there was lightning in the area. And the, and the thing with that is you have once you have lightning, you had to wait 30-plus minutes for there to not be another lightning strike nearby to resume. If you get two minutes into that 30-plus minutes, you know, where and there's another lightning strike, guess what? The clock's reset. Yeah, so they had to evacuate the floor and everybody get to cover. During this time, though, the wrestlers really took advantage of the situation. And oh, a lot yeah. of them were just cutting impromptu promos which i got one beef with them your gut wrestlers cutting impromptu promos why didn't you get the best person backstage to cut a, pro- a promo impromptu off the cuff no script in paul Heyman? can you give that like that man can script a promo without without having a script in front of him come on i think what about a missed opportunity it was just a matter of wherever he was at the ah, time. that's true i mean that's the one thing is just there's so many people at wrestlemania that try and track him down just for a quick yeah, moment i yeah. think they just took anybody that was nearby and put him uh, on yeah and yeah. everybody did a great job too because once we got into the first match mm-hmm. and we kicked off with drew mcintyre facing bobby lashley yeah which of course drew lived up to his promise he'd said for a long time since at some point last year i forget when exactly he said it but he said the first opportunity we get to have fans back i want to be first out the gate yes and, and he was and he lived up to it the energy was there and going for the WWE title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we went up against uh, Bobby Lashley, who was defending the WWE Championship, uh, where Bobby Lashley retained, uh, defeating Drew McIntyre uh, via submission. Love this match. Oh, yeah. No, this was a great match. Yeah. I, Lashley being a part of the Hurt Business has helped him tremendously. Oh, yeah. The Hurt Business no longer being in business as of right now. Yeah. I think is going to hurt him. Yeah. And I know Lashley. No pun intended. Yeah. I know Lashley has had some interviews where, like, he, you know, he didn't want it to happen. I know he, I think he said he and MVP even went so far as to go to Vince and try and, like, push for the, him to not do it. So I know, I know Lashley's not entirely thrilled about it. Nor should he be because this is what put him on the map. Yeah. And I he, mean, he, even recent, you know, kind of heel, not counting Brock Lesnar because he's Brock fucking Lesnar. Right. But, like, the one heel champion I can think of with Seth was. Seth was a dirty, dastardly heel, but he still had his minions to kind of run around and do his bidding. Yeah. They just broke him up way too soon, and this is what got yeah. Lashley over. So now what happens here is going to be anybody's guess. Yeah. He did retain, though, yeah. in a very, very surprising move. But it was surprising to some, but I, I wasn't. I think I called out in last week's show. I thought I believe, Lashley was yeah, going to retain. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. I mean, it was one thing that we always talk about on 607 TWS, Rich and I do, is Lashley is over a lot more than, yeah. than Drew is at this point. Yeah. It's not to say Drew isn't going to be back because he's already in the title picture, but yeah. 
I think that he's had his run with the belt, and now it's time to see what Lashley can do. I'm just questioning what is going to happen without the Hurt Business moving forward. We'll have to see. All right. Next uh, up. Was the uh, women's tag team turmoil match where the winners would go on to face Nia Jax and Shannon Baszler on night two uh, for an opportunity at the women's tag team championships. And, of course, you had uh, Billy Kay and Carmella, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, Lana and Naomi, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot and Natalia and Tamina. And you had Natalia and Tamina emerge victorious. Uh, to ta- to win the opportunity to face the women's tag team champions on night two. This wasn't the best match of the night. No. By any means. No, uh, and I think I read someplace it went a little long. Yeah, it did, and the, just the timing was off in a lot of different spots. Well, and I, and I noticed that, and I felt that for a lot of the early matches. Like, And I know while they were doing the entrances, this is where Mandy slipped on the yeah. entryway. I, and I noticed a couple instances with the last match between Drew and, and Bobby that it seemed like there were st- still portions of the of the ring and the ropes that were still a little wet from the rain. Yeah. Because the rain was bad enough that obviously the folks in the seats had ponchos, but uh, Samoa Joe and Michael Cole, who were at ringside, brought out their ponchos. So I like I get I get the feeling that. Part of what hurt this match is the ring wasn't as uh, dry as it should have been. Right. I, yeah, there's just a lot of different factors going on. Like I say, this was not the best match of the night. It's no. not to say they weren't really trying to be stealing the show. Yeah. It was just uh, they had a lot of factors that just didn't click that night. For yeah. Them. So for whatever reason, but Natalia and Tamina definitely won, and mm-hmm. they went on the next night. Yep. But next up. Uh, yeah, you had the singles matchup between Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro making his very first uh, singles match appearance on, on WrestleMania, which is a goddamn travesty. Yes. Uh, long overdue. And Cesaro emerged victorious to defeat Seth Rollins via pinfall. And very emotional moment for him after the match was over. Uh, you know, fighting tears and doing a, almost like a Hulk Hogan, like uh, pointing to each side of the ring and cheering and getting people's reactions. So good for him. If you're not familiar with who Cesaro is, he is a guy that has been in the business for so long. He's uber talented, ridiculously strong. He's ridiculously and strong. he doesn't look it. No, he doesn't. He, he you see him do feats of strength, and you're like, how? Like you look at a guy like Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, like even Brock Lesnar, and you go, oh, like you see them lift massive amounts of weight, and go, okay, that makes sense. I get that. You could see Cesaro lift the same amount and go, wait, this doesn't compute. No, it definitely didn't. But to see him finally get his time, and he was doing moves that he did on the indies. Yeah. I'm looking at that UFO he did. Holy fuck, that was crazy. I lost my mind on that. It was such a great moment. And yeah. for somebody that the internet fans rally around. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, when they used to have the Cesaro, Cesaro section. section. Yeah. yeah. To see him finally get his due. Long overdue. Yeah, get that big win. I just hope they carry the momentum forward. Absolutely. If they drop the ball on this one, Absolutely. it'll be a travesty. But hopefully not. Seth, they put on a great performance. This was yeah. my 1B match of the night. Like, sure. Match of the night. Sure. Uh, next up, you had uh, the champion sh- uh, the match for the Raw Tag Team Championships with uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods defending against the team of AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, and you had AJ Styles and Omos uh, defeat win by pinfall to become your and new uh, WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. This is just a fun match. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Omos is Actually, pretty good. He's actually good, and he was laughing the entire time. Oh like my you, God, you can tell yeah. he was just happy to be out there wrestling. Like, yeah, and and Kofi and oh, Xavier I, almost was like, up. oh, I can drop the oh, I can drop the facade of like I'm the serious stone faced killer. Like, yeah. oh, I can have fun. Yeah, and obviously AJ Styles is now a Grand Slam champion. He's uh-huh. won every belt in the company. Now, here's my question because he's he's well, no, he hasn't won every belt in the company. He has not won the Universal Championship. What happens if he wins that one? 
Because he's won the WWE Championship, he's won the U.S. and Intercontinental Championships, and then he's also now won the Tag Team Championships. What happens if he wins the Universal? Uh, he's in a league of his own, then, I would imagine. Uh-huh. Just saying. Uh, I think I would put Roman in there, too, because, uh, yeah, he's won, yeah, he's won Universal, WWE, U.S., Intercontinental, yeah. Hmm. They don't have a name for that. Somebody come up with that. Yeah, I, I think they were giving AJ, though, Grand Slam anyway. So, oh, no, yeah, they were. Yeah. They were. But either way, though, I mean, it was a great night for, it was a great night for them, so yeah. I can't be mad about that. Yeah, up next you had uh, Braun Strowman taking on Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. Of course, the first one since uh, WrestleMania two, I believe it was, in 1986. I'll be honest. I did not care about this match at all. I mean, the moment where Braun ripped the uh, chain link off of the steel cage was fucking bonkers. Yeah, that was the coolest moment of the match. Yeah, I mean, it was it was okay match for what it was. It was what I figured it would be. It was a match to make Braun look good while not, you know, making Shane look like a, a weak pos yeah you know but it, it was it was what it was supposed to be make braun look good build him back up a little bit have an oh shit moment you know it was what it was braun yeah, won by yeah the way. No, yeah nothing super right home about braun won and yeah he's now in the contendership yeah talk now yeah uh next up you had the match the tag team matchup between john morrison and the miz taking on damian priest and bad bunny okay bad bunny yo surprised everybody i mean i was very surprised i figured he would be good because i didn't know how long he had been training but i had read that he was training with adam pierce and drew gulak so i'm like okay he's going with some folk training with some folks who know the business yes and are very good to train with uh did not expect him to be that damn good though phenomenal he was he was doing stuff that i've seen people in the ring for many years yeah. Pull off. yeah, like the uh, destroyer on the outside of the oh ring. Oh, my God, the Canadian destroyer yes. or, or Puerto Rican destroyer, whatever you want to call it. However you want to define it, it was amazing. And kudos to Miz and Morrison, too, because yeah. they really went out of their way to put him over. Well, And I, and I think their, their reactions to him doing the Canadian destroyer were genuine. Yeah. There's the look of shock on their face. Yeah, well, he decided to go all off for it. And that's what you want to see, too, because yeah. I know when everybody sees celebrities come to the yeah. ring, sometimes they're duds. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they surprise. They'll do a move yeah. that will really catch you off guard. Yeah. So for him to actually be looking the role of the wrestler, I would not be upset seeing him come back. No. Well, and I think Triple H said it best. He is a superstar at this point. Oh yeah. I. And you know, in fact, if they're smart, they put him as a DLC for the next video game. I can see that happening. They have to if he's not already going to be in the game. So, but big win for him and Damian Priest too. Yeah. So then uh, that was your co-main event of the night. Uh, then your main event of the night was for the SmackDown Women's Championship, where you had Sasha Banks defending her belt against Bianca Belair, and Bianca Belair defeated Sasha to become your and new SmackDown Women's Champion. What a moment! Oh my God! From start to finish with this was incredible and especially when the crowd was chanting for for bianca and chanting for sasha that like they were had it, it was like the raw where aj faced cena and the crowd's going back and forth with each other and cena and aj just look at each other and go, holy shit yeah like that was the kind of th- a similar reaction these two uh women had and i just love how you know you you these wrestlers obviously try to keep their emotions in check Mm-hmm. But the fact that they weren't able to was awesome. Bianca was overwhelmed at times, and I wasn't mad about it at all. That she had 
literally just absorbed the crowd's energy and was just yeah. you could just tell she was trying her best not to break character but it, Sasha held it in a little bit better you know but Bianca couldn't hold it in which was, which was a cool moment yeah it was a cool moment I, I don't knock her for doing it in fact I will say the coolest moment I saw was her doing the press slam getting Sasha back in the ring yeah holy fucking Christ if you ever wonder why she is the EST of WWE prime example right there yo fantastic match i will say it's the first time i've ever seen a hair whip bruise somebody yeah that was insane and i'm not wouldn't be surprised if sasha gets a scar off of that yeah oh yeah it was absolutely crazy but kudos to those ladies yeah they absolutely crushed that main event yeah. rifle rightfully so that they got that spot and they definitely delivered on it closed out night one strong yeah in my opinion night one was the stronger night absolutely yes agreed so as we go to night two, a little better weather. Yeah. And still a lot of energy going into the show. Yeah. So definitely the vibe was still there. Yeah. And coming off such a great first night, too. It's always tough when you do back-to-back nights. I do love it that the WWE is doing this format, though. Oh, my God, Another yeah. Another copy in New Japan. I don't care. I don't care because this card should have started at 8, obviously because of the weather. It didn't start till like 8.45, 9 o'clock. But still didn't get over until eleven forty-five midnight. It was midnight, and that was and that was with each match. It felt like it had its proper amount of time. Nothing felt too long. Nothing felt too short. But given the fact that we had all those matches and there were still another seven on the docket, holy Christ, that would have been a long night. Oh, absolutely. On, if that was on one night, which hey, WWE, keep it this way. I am all right spending Saturday and Sunday watching a pay per view just so that I don't feel like a zombie the next day because I just watched nine hours of a, of a WrestleMania card. Exactly. I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm here for this. They want to do two nights. I'm here for it. As we go into night two, though. Yeah, so night two led off with the oddest match of the night, one of the odd, more odd matches of the night, uh, with uh, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, taking on Randy Orton. And Randy won? Question mark? I mean, when you go to the one, two, three, he pinned Bray, but... Shenanigans. I don't know what the hell happened. It, this is this ending confused me. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I don't mean confused me like I don't understand what happened. I understand what happened. I just don't get why. I'll be honest. I don't care about this feud. I I understand they're trying to portray Bray as the new Undertaker with, oh, yeah. with powers and all that yeah. jazz. Yeah. And whatever is going on with Alexa being involved. I will say I don't mind it for her character. I'm, he- I, I'm here for the with what was going on between Bray and Alexa because I was just like, ooh, I wonder what's going on here. And even with what they're doing with Alexa, I'm here for. Like, that is awesome. And the, and the creepiness and the just what the hell is going on, I'm here for it. But just be, with Randy, I've seen this before. Well, with Randy, it was kind of like, what are you going to do now? And the thing with him is you can only do so many of these matches and then you kind of go... Should have been a Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah, I agree. I think which it- you could have still done, which... Michael Cole, do you not know what a goddamn jack-in-the-box is? Yeah. That bo- what? Alexa's on top of that box-like structure. Yeah. Dude, she she literally wound it like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah, it made no sense about that. You know, but they could have had the same outcome, had some fun with it, because Randy's got just as long, if not a longer career than Cena's got. They could have gone some places and had some fun with it, but instead it was what it was, and just really weird. Really odd to lead off with that. Yeah, well, I think because of what they use for the Jack and Box, that they yeah. they want to go that route. And plus, yeah. I think they were trying to to pace out the match as well. And that it was a, a main event level match because Randy Orton does oh, yeah. does draw that. It was just weird. And obviously, I know there's more to that story going on, so we'll get a payoff eventually. Yeah. But for me, I was just like, what am I watching? And and I didn't care about the feud to begin with. I mean, the first first off, Randy killed him on Raw. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget this. Yeah. Or on a pay per view, let him on fire. He let him on fire. And then he's 
okay, he's healed again. He's a toxic Avenger. He's healed again, but they still have the goddamn red light. Yeah, so just there's so much going on with this that I'm expecting something big to pay off whenever this happens, should this happen. But for right now, it's just kind of a weird opener. Like, yeah. I, like I thought it was not the best idea to open I, I, I would have put this more towards the middle. Yeah, but I think that I, what they were probably worried about is this would go over people's heads. Yeah, maybe. And, and kill a lot of energy. So it's like, why not just do this early? And, and you know, people would be like, what? And then yeah. have more appreciation for the next match. Uh, yeah, so that match was for the uh, Women's Tag Team Championship, and that was between Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, uh, who took on Nat- Natalia and Tamina, who won on night one, uh, with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler winning via submission to retain the Women's Tag Team Championship. Not a super big fan of Nia, so... I was not a big fan of this match either. Just really, yeah. really didn't do anything for me. So, yeah. yeah, like the the wrestlers are fine. You know, I don't hate them. It's just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, like I just I just don't like Nia teaming up with Shayna. I just no. I, I mean, I, when you have four people in this match that aren't tag teams, you know, they're just two wrestlers thrown together. You know, for whatever reason that might be, I just don't have any interest in it. You know, I would like to see two female wrestlers get in there: Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, you know, mm-hmm. Raquel Gonzalez, and Dakota Kai. Riot Squad. Riot Squad. I would like to see an actual tag team get in there and and do work together and have movesets that complement each other. You saw it with the Revival. You saw it with the Shield. You see it with the Usos. You see it with New Day. That They have their own movesets, but they also have moves that work well with each other, and that's always nice to see. The only movesets these ladies have together is, oh, my opponent, my partner is going to get pinned. Let me run in there and interfere. Yeah. Like, Okay, I get it. That's tag team, but like, I still like to see those moves where it's like, oh, hey, this person's gonna hold that person. Let me jump off the top rope and, and hit him to the ground. Like, I still like to see that. Yeah, it would have been something, but I, Tamina actually got over a little bit with yeah, the crowd. So good I mean, for her. Good for her. I mean, that's the only takeaway I got from this match, really. Yeah. Next up was a match that everyone and their mother was looking forward to between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, with Kevin Owens uh, emerging victorious, uh, defeating Sami Zayn via pinfall. This could have gone on for 10 more minutes. I wouldn't have cared. It will, yeah, I'll Fantastic say, uh, match. according to ProFightDB.com, this match was listed at 9 minutes, 15 seconds. Felt a little too short. Yeah, it felt way too short. Cut, not, no, I'm not saying it could have been 15, 20 minutes longer. Five, six, seven minutes longer? Would have been okay with that. Yeah, we would have been fine with that, but I understand that this was... For anybody outside of the internet, a filler match, so to speak, yeah. just to fill up space on the card. But for all of us that have watched these two fight each other, uh-huh. we expect a lot coming from this. But uh-huh. I'm just happy they got the WrestleMania moment together. I'm, all, I'm also happy that uh, Logan Paul got stunned. Oh, hell yeah. The, like, WWE knew they were, everyone was going to pop for that, myself included. Oh, yeah. No, it was a complete poppable moment. And Somebody get, that, me, somebody get that on a 10-hour loop for me. I'm sure it's out there. I mean, the Zemo cut is out there, so this is true. anything is possible. Uh, next up, you had a the match for the WWE United States Championship with Riddle uh, Bro defending his belt against Sheamus. Uh, and Sheamus defeated Riddle via pinfall to become your and new United States Champion. Way better match than I thought it was yeah, going to be. Yeah, no, this was a great match. Way better. That fucking bro kick at the end. Jeez. Ugh. Props to, I will say this, Riddle, I don't care for the stoner gimmick. No. I would much rather see him do something... I'm not saying he's got to be serious, but at least something different. He can be it, casual, and he can be kind of laid back without being a stoner. Those people exist. Yeah, it, it's it's all right to do. But I, I will say this. I was very impressed with how he kept up with the physicality of this yeah. match. Not that you know, he, he obviously fought in the UFC, so he can handle physical stuff. 
But the fact that Sheamus went at him and Sheamus has looked great yeah. since returning. Yeah. So I'm this has not- been a run where I don't hate him, and I mean that I don't, you know, understand. I don't. I actually don't mind seeing his matches. Yeah, same here. So I'm completely fine with this, and I hope he does something with the belt. So because for me, normally the last couple of years, Sheamus matches normally my cue for a piss break because I just don't care for Sheamus. But in this instance, it's like, oh, I might actually I'm going to stick around for this. Yeah, I mean they're letting him do big moves and they're letting him, you know really hit some people and. I will say, like Pat said, the bro kick uh, when Riddle did the reverse moonsault. Yeah. Also, the photo Sheamus took after the show, like all the ch- new champions going to get their photo taken with the belt. Sheamus had it taken with that like fedora hat and that like Irish brawler look he's got going, but with the jacket on, it's a good fucking look. Yeah. A no. lot better than the goddamn mohawk he had. Uh, yeah. Remember when we thought that was a whole gimmick for the tur- Turtles movie? Yeah. And it went on for like five years. And he kept it. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ugh. Uh, next up was uh, the match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship uh, with Apollo Crews taking on Big E in a Nigerian drum fight. Uh, of course, like we said in the last week's show, had no idea what the hell this was. Uh, Big E didn't even know what the hell this was, or at least that's what he said in, in kayfabe. Uh, but Apollo Crews emerged victorious, uh, with a little help, uh, to defeat Big E to become your and new intercontinental championship. Uh, I will say this one, how the hell do you have that gong at ringside and not do some Looney Tunes type shit with it? Yeah. Two, why not just have, why didn't you just call this a Nigerian street fight? Because that would have been a lot better. How are you going to call this a Nigerian drum fight? And then drums don't get involved. I don't know. like this was a, this for all intents and purposes was a Nigerian street fight where there are, you know, objects from over in Africa, Nigeria, mm-hmm. you know, the drums and the musical instruments and, and what, and the sticks and what have you. I, if you're talking like a Nigerian drum fight, I'm expecting some like Looney Tunes, you know, old thirties, forties cartoons type shit where like the one character picks up the drum and and puts it over top of the person, and the person sitting there with their head sticking through the drum. Yeah, like I'm expecting something like that. This was t- this is a street fight. I had no idea what to expect with this, but I thought it was gonna be something like a last man standing match from what they described it. I don't care. Like this was a fantastic. Oh, match. it was fantastic. Just that was my one. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I get you completely because I, I just don't know what the writers were thinking about with yeah. this match because yeah. it, it, like you touched on, this should have just been a street fight. This could have been something else. Either way. Both these guys delivered. Apollo has yeah. been on fire, yeah. and now he's got uh, Dabakato. Dabakato, yeah. Kato is uh, his uh, his muscle. I know him from Raw Underground. Well, he's going to go by a different name because at least when that that happened, uh, he ran out there with like a military style jacket on, and Cole goes, "Who's this individual?" And I, and even I couldn't remember. I'm like, I sounded, I'm like, who the hell is this? And somebody pointed out, they're like, "Oh, it's Dabakato." So he's not going to go by Dabakato at least. At, for all intents and purposes, it appears now he's going to go by a different name. Right. But Heel Apollo is working, and Big yeah. E, man, I tell you what, for being in his hometown, he delivered, and I'm calling it right now. He's going to be fighting for that world title by year's end. Would not surprise me. If not sooner. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't know the timetable, but we'll get into that when we talk about the main event. Yeah. Uh, so next up in your co-main event of the evening was uh, the match for the Raw Women's Championship. This had Asuka uh, defending her belt against Rhea Ripley. Uh, and you had Rhea Ripley pin Asuka to become your and new Raw uh, Women's Champion. Ripley was due from last year. Yes. No question about yes. that. And this was a great match. Not mad about this at all. Uh, walkout was a little eh. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. 
I, but I, but it, well, I, it wasn't uh, Wale lip syncing uh, Big E to the ring bad, but you know. Yeah, uh, Rhea had her song sung to the ring, and yep. yeah, it was it was what it was. Yeah, like I say, I, I great match though. Great match, like I say. Uh, intros aside, I thought it was a great match. Rhea finally got the belt, yeah. the big win that she was yeah. she deserved last year. I'm sorry, and then I, like I even kind of skipped to Raw because I know they the Raw after Mania mm-hmm. was a letdown. Yeah, was a garbage. Show. Yeah, I I watched most of it uh, while I was playing some video games. I had it going on my phone. Yeah, no, this was probably in the seven years I've been watching uh, WWE now. This might have been the worst Raw after Mania I've ever seen. Like, now, I get that it was back in the Thunderdome at University of South Florida's arena there. So there wasn't any of the usual flair and, and crowd and chants and this and that. You know, I get that. We had that last year. But I always expect with the Raw After Mania returns and call-ups and surprises, you know, abound, you know. But there was really not like, okay, Viking Raiders returned. Yeah. Cool. cool. Charlotte returned. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Like, okay. what? But, like, nobody got called up. Nobody, you know, nobody massive made a – like, you know, Viking Raiders coming back is great for the tag team division. But for me, I don't care. I – I was just more mad that Charlotte just immediately got interjected in the title picture. I know it's Charlotte. I get it. But it kind of just took away, I thought, from Rhea and Asuka. And obviously they did the rematch that night. We got a no contest because Charlotte got involved. And I'm just hoping they don't make it a three-way where Rhea is just going to lose the belt to Charlotte yet again. Because then when Becky comes back, guess what? Who's fighting for the belt? It would just seem like a waste of a call for Ripley because, I mean, I know Ripley's only 24, I believe. Something like but that. But still, that is the future of your women's division right there. Let her have a little run with the belt and see what she can do. So seeing Charlotte come back I just took away. And then even when they did their WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. Which uh, is a weird name. Yeah. Uh, title contender match where Drew got the, the win over Randy and Braun. Yeah. It just felt like an average Raw, and Raw lately has not been good except for the Hurt Business. Nope. And the only thing interesting about this was T-Bar and Mace from Retribution came out to help MVP. Yeah. So if they're going to get rid of the stupid gimmick and make them part of the new Hurt Business, I'm here for that. Give me Dijak and and um, uh, Madden. Oh, yeah. I, I think of, uh, yeah, I had to think of his name for a second. Yeah, you give me those two with, with Lashley, okay, let's go. Like, all right. I'm not happy you got rid of Cedric and Sheldon, but yeah. at least I can tolerate I mean, this. for me, I haven't been watching Raw mostly because, like you said, it's been bad. Like, I'll usually tune in for the first segment or the, up to the first commercial break just to see what they're leading off with. Yeah. But after that, you know, I'm usually playing video games on Monday night, you know. But then after that, it's kind of like at 11 o'clock or the next morning, I'll start looking at their YouTube channel and seeing the little clips or highlights. And if there's anything that catches my eye, I'm like, oh, well, let me see what this was about. And lately... Not much. No, it's been bad. It's been straight up bad, and this was not the way to start the new season of Raw, in my opinion. But we have one more match to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so this was your main event of night two. This was for the Universal Championship, and this was the triple threat match between Roman Reigns defending his belt against Daniel Bryan and Edge. Uh, and you had Roman pin both individuals to uh, retain his Universal Championship. Great match. Yeah. Surprising ending. Uh, well, Roman did call it. On SmackDown on Friday night, he said he's going to pin them both in the ring. I just hope they don't do anything cheesy and say, well, technically Edge was on top of Daniel Bryan, so he gets the belt. I got bad news. Well, no, they're not going to do that, but they are already teasing part of that. 
uh, because Adam Pierce was tweeted at on I want I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, but somebody tweeted to Adam Pierce that Edge was pinning Brian when Roman was on top of him, so shouldn't uh, Edge be the winner? And Adam Pierce quote tweeted it and basically said, hmm, "That's interesting. I'll have to take a look at that." To which Charles Robinson, the referee who was in the ring for that said there were basically set, uh, replied to Pierce and said there were four shoulders on the mat. Roman was on top. He's the winner. And that's final say into which Pierce replied to that and said, listen, why don't you come see me in my office on Friday? So I think that like, there's a question of, all right, I know a lot of people were saying, Oh, after the match, Oh, where's Roman going to go from here? He's pinned both guys. You know, where's he going to, I think we just got it that he's going to go. They're going to run it back with him against edge again. I hope not, but if they do, Okay, I'd much rather see Edge and Daniel Bryan take off and do their own program. Sure, I think that would make a lot more sense. You could have Edge be a heel that he's mad that Bryan was responsible for ruining his moment, yeah. his triumphant return. Yeah, and let Edge be a heel because he's a great heel. Oh, absolutely. Then the question becomes: Okay, who's next for Roman? There's two names that jump out. One, Pete Dunne. Well, Pete Dunne would be amazing. Walter. <sighs> Not yet, but soon. Damn, soon. Not soon enough. Oh, God. Walter and Roman chop for spear. Oh, my chest hurts just thinking about it. Yeah. No, the two guys that I'm saying would be worthy contenders for Roman. One is Big E. Yeah. But I know that would fast track him a little bit just losing yeah. the IC title, but yeah. it's not to say it's unheard of. Yeah. He's definitely earned it. He's yeah. He's been on fire. The other one, you got to put Cesaro in there now. Oh, uh, yeah, you could. You have to. You could. After the momentum he got from that win against Seth Rollins? Yeah. I mean, that makes the most sense unless they're going to run Seth and Cesaro back. Yeah. Because that's the one thing about Backlash. It's usually rematches for Mania. Yeah. So, well, And I would imagine we might see uh, Roderick Strong show up on Friday. Yes, because they did. Uh, he did give his... Uh, resignation. Resignation. Quote, unquote. Yep, from NXT. Would you put him in a program with somebody, you know, in, in that level? I mean, that, I that's a huge jump. I wouldn't put him in a program with Roman to start no, out. No, I wouldn't either. But, but Big E or Cesaro, maybe? That would be a good one. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Or if you're going to run Edge. Him, for, him and Debray. Chop, yeah. chop off. Yo, I'd be okay. Strong and strong and Debray. I mean, that is a hell of a push for, for Roderick. Not saying he's not worth it, but that is a hell of a push if they decide to go that route. A lot of storylines coming out of Mania, but I guess final grade on Mania, Pat, from you? Uh, I'd give it C plus, B minus. You know, night one, a lot better than night two. You can, you can give separate ones if you want. So, night, uh, one. so night one, I would say B, B plus. Okay. You know, enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, uh, a lot of great matches. Uh, night two, I would say C, C minus. You know, it was enjoyable. I had a lot of fun. The crowd, it was awesome to have the crowd back again. You know, especially with the chants and all that, they were still piping in crowd noise. Uh, yeah. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, that was so, but no, it, it was enjoyable and it was fun to have a crowd again. I know a lot of people were, uh, especially in the thread we had going, we're like, oh, are they going to have crowds back? No, they're not having crowds back. The next time they, I read they would be looking at crowds would be August, which I think would be SummerSlam. Uh, so no, they're not bringing back crowds every week for the shows. Yeah, and definitely shout out to Outs- everybody outside of NXT. The, yeah, and shout out to everybody who was in the Twitter threads. Yeah, we had some great conversations with everybody there. So, um, 
I will have to give Night One B plus. Sure. I, I thought that it definitely had the standout moments. Bianca Belair and, and Sasha was my match of the night. Runner up and it's razor close is Seth and Cesaro. Yeah. Thought that was excellent too. Uh night two uh, Bad Bunny was up there too. I oh yeah. Bad Bunny was Bad Bunny was my second best match of that night. Yeah, no it, Bianca and Sasha being number one. Yeah, no, but that's why I say that pushed that one to B plus and I gave a B minus for night two. Okay. I thought the main events Definitely carried that show, and you had Kevin versus Sammy. I mean, it was short, but it was sweet. Yeah. So I'll take that as a win. So they got a lot of momentum moving forward. We finally have a day off from WWE watching. Mercifully. Yes, AEW is going to run tonight unopposed as we are recording. Well, that means I can watch uh, the James Bond movie I'm up to without having to stop and look at my phone every couple of minutes to see what's going on on NXT. Yeah, and this is going to be a telling point, too, just to say AEW... Europe. Needs, uh-huh. needs to hit over a million. Yeah, because the numbers came in for NXT as we record today. NXT on the uh, first Tuesday night episode drew 805,000 viewers, whatever the 1849 is. Demo, I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember. But just for comparison's sake, uh, there's uh, last week's show on television on the Wednesday night where they were going up against uh, AEW, and that was night one of the NXT TakeOver, drew 768,000 viewers. So they got a they got a jump of round numbers, uh, thirty thousand viewers. Yeah. So AEW is put up or shut up because everybody in the AEW camp, a good uh, let me rephrase it, a good majority has been saying they ran NXT off Wednesday night. Wednesday night's theirs. Put up or shut up. I'd say not up or shut up. However you want to define it, they need to crack over a million. If they do it tonight, that's great, and they need to. But they got to do it for a month straight before I take them serious. Otherwise, even then I don't take them serious. But after that, because I'm sorry, the shit Tony Khan pulled over the weekend with on night one and Mania. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. I understand he was what he was allegedly telling trying sto- to do. Telling stories and fine, and if he told that at another point in time, when it's relevant, you know, a couple days after, okay, fine, get it. Taking a little shot, I get. It. But to do it while they're in the middle of it, fuck off. Yeah. Definitely not the best look for him, but we'll be definitely live tweeting about that tonight. And we will be talking about that on 607TWS on Thursday on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. But without all being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about WWE WrestleMania week? What matches stood out to you? What didn't? And what do you think the direction is moving forward? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, kick us off with those one shots. Got a couple of entertainment things to talk about. Uh, First of which caught everyone by surprise because holy shit, who saw this coming? Uh, reading from an article for courtesy of variety.com. Uh, the headline reads Sony pictures, movies, 
uh, excuse me, Sony Pictures moves movie output deal from Stars to Netflix in a in rich pact. So, holy Christ! Yeah. Uh, the article reads, "Quote: Netflix has emerged the winner of a nearly two year auction for the exclusive U.S. rights to stream Sony Pictures theatrical releases in the first pay TV window, starting with the studio's 2022 slate." Netflix has also set a first look agreement with Sony for all the all of the studio's original movies produced for the direct-to-streaming market. That deal also requires Netflix to commit a certain number of titles from the studio, but it doesn't stop Sony from selling direct-to-streaming titles to Netflix's rivals. In that case, however, Netflix would have to pass on the project for Sony to be able to sell it to another streamer. As part of the pact, Netflix will license an unspecified number of older titles from Sony's movie vault. Sony's... Sony Pictures' primary pay TV partner has been Stars, now owned by Lionsgate since 2006. The new theatrical output deal with Netflix, uh, which only covers the United States, is believed to run about five years and is undoubtedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars to the studio over the term. Industry sources said Sony executives are working on another significant theatrical movie licensing pact outside the Netflix agreement. So, huge news for huge. Sony, because, and also huge news for us viewers, because... Uh, Sony was kind of like the ones left out in the cold without having a streaming service. This means they don't have to come up with their own streaming service. My wallet thanks you. Yes. Uh, but it's also huge for them. So Netflix is essentially now going to have an influx of some great movies uh, to pull into their rotation starting in 2022. This also means that whatever time window they come up with, probably not going to be as instant as you might like. But the new films that come out uh, from Sony will be going to Netflix. Which is great because I looked up the numbers. A lot of people were like, well, why is it, why did they choose Netflix? Stars as of quarter four, and I'm trying to remember numbers from like a week ago, so forgive me. Uh, stars as of the fourth quarter of last year have like, it was either 6.8 or 8.6 million subscribers worldwide. Netflix had like 200 and change plus <sighs> subscribers worldwide. So, duh. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I think it's a smart move for Netflix because if you want to stay competitive with the HBO Max yeah. and the Disney Plus, this is a perfect way to do oh, it. Yeah. And for Sony, like you touched on, didn't have a streaming service. We don't need everybody to have a streaming service. Yeah, please. Yeah, if you want to do some merging, I'm okay with this. Yeah. And for them, hey, it's smart business. I mean, this would include films such as the Spider-Man films, Venom, mm-hmm. J- Jumanji. Is Fast and Furious Sony? Universal, to, I believe. Yeah, oh, Universal. Okay. Well, no. Sony, Sony Universal. Yeah. So I think yeah, they wind up getting uh, them. Too. It might be Fast and Furious. We'll so we'll, we'll have to dig into that and find out. But you know, it's a huge move for them and great for us. Yes, absolutely. This is a win-win. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with this, but Me that's too. game changing right there. Yeah. No, huge. Uh, stick with some other uh, movie news. It was announced last week. Uh, some Indiana Jones five news. Yes, that movie is still happening. Am I going to believe? <laughs> Why? Why? Well, supposedly it's going to be the swan song for Harrison Ford as the character. Uh, side note, would still like to see Chris Pratt take over the role. I know that's been fan-casted for a while, and and it was rumored at one point that he was going to be in the movie and take over the role. I don't know if that's happening. I would still like to see it, just saying. Uh, but Indiana Jones 5 is still happening. Not sure I'm going to believe a whatever-year-old Harrison Ford being Indy is at this point, but we'll see. Uh, based off of people a lot smarter than me figuring, 
uh, a lot of people are figuring this movie is going to take place in the 60s, uh, so that, that's to keep that in mind. Uh, but it was announced that the actress Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, is joining the cast alongside Harrison Ford. So uh, an article from IGN reads, uh, Lucasfilm has announced that Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been cast in the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film. While Waller-Bridge's involvement with the film has been officially announced, no mention has been made by Lucasfilm about who she will play. Presumably as the first major new cast member announcement, though, and considering Waller-Bridge's profile, she will be one of the film's lead characters. Uh, she said, quote, I'm thrilled to be starting a, a new adventure, collaborating with a dream team of all-time great filmmakers, uh, said the film's director, excuse me, said the film's director, James Mangold, in a statement issued by Lucasfilm. Stephen, Harrison, Kathy, Frank, and John are an all-artistic, are all artistic heroes of mine. When you add Phoebe, a dazzling actor, brilliant creative voice, and the chemistry she will undoubtedly bring to our set, I can't help but feel as lucky as Indiana Jones himself. Close quote. Other good news. The Maestro is coming back. Oh. John Williams, at the ripe young age of 92, 93, he's, he's getting up there, is returning to score the Indiana Jones film. John, if this reached you in any way, shape, or form, can I just get the Raiders march at some point? Like, big and bombastic, please. I need that. I need to hear that Raiders of the Lost Ark march again, please. If it's a swan song, he's got to do it. Oh, absolutely. If it is. Absolutely. I mean, I mean I, I, I'm sorry. Indiana Jones, after four, I'm like, I'm done. You can skip four. And I'll ask, like, one, two, and three are great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll one, give you that. One, two, and three are great. Uh, don't watch two if you've just eaten. Just saying. Yeah. One, in, one two, and three are great. Four, hokey. But, no, I'm out. <laughs> hokey, but then again, so is Indiana Jones. I mean, Christ, he looks for the... Yeah, it, but, it, but it just but, seemed like such a money grab. Yeah, it, it, it's hokey, but the, like I said, so again, most of the Indiana Jones films are. I mean, Christ, he looks for the, the uh, cup from The Last Supper. Uh, and then he looks for the Ark of the Covenant, so a little hokey. But this goes a little the, – the hokey meter goes a little too high on that one. Yeah. It's just so, a, like I said, if you've never seen the Indiana Jones films, do. You can skip four, though. Let's be real. Uh, switching over to some co- my comics recommendations this week. Uh, got a couple things uh, out this week. Batman, the detective, issue number one. Uh, this is the one where Batman goes over to Europe. Uh, so the dis- Oh. Yeah, so the description of this reads, in a quote, an epic tale that will take Batman on a harrowing, action-packed European adventure in a new miniseries by superstar creators Tom, Tom Taylor, Taylor and Adam Kubert, right? And Andy Kubert. Andy oh, Andy, yes, yes, yes. Uh, a horrific tragedy in the United Kingdom sends a very personal and deadly message to the Dark Knight, one that will draw Batman out of Gotham City to investigate. From the moment he lands in Europe, Batman will face a difficult in, difficult investigation and unheard of adversaries and find the assistance of a partner once more, all in the hunt for the villain known as Equilibrium. New villains, new allies, a thrilling overseas adventure begins for the Dark Knight. Cannot wait to get home and read this one. Tom Taylor on Batman. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Nightwing, he's killing right now? Yeah. I forgot that, because the name of the book changed, because it used to be like Batman the Dark Knight, I thought. And Something then went like to the that, yeah. yeah. Holy sugar cookies, yeah. man. Sign me up. Take my money. Yeah. Uh, also out this week, you got Superman issue number 30. Uh, you know me. I love Superman. Yeah, you're just a big super dude. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, the Joker issue number two. Uh, okay. So given the events of the first issue, I am all sorts of amped up to get home and read this one. Uh, the description of this one is, quote, as the dust settles on Arkham, on Arkham Asylum and tragic recent events, the Joker is the most wanted man in the world and powerful forces are lining around the globe to hunt him. But where exactly is the clown prince of crime? Jim Gordon, facing his twilight years, haunted by the madman, knows where to start the hunt, and he's been given the go-ahead to pursue him. But will he be willing to pay the price? And what shocking revelation will Gordon stun Batman with before he departs? 
and in the backup story within the walls of Blackgate Penitentiary, Punchline has become the target of the Queen of Spades from the Royal Flush Gang. It'll take everything Punchline has to survive, while on the outside, Bluebird digs deeper into Punchline's horrific past. Uh, I'm all sorts of amped up to read this. First issue was a big surprise. Oh, yeah. Loved it. 100%. Uh, On the Marvel side of things out this week, uh, Iron Man issue number eight. Love what they've been doing with Iron Man lately. Cannot wait to read that one. And then, uh, also out this week, Thor issue number 14. Uh, Listen, it's Thor. It's Donnie Cates. Need I say more? Enough said, my friend. Enough said. So going to my one shots, uh, talking a little comic movie news. It was announced that Lucy Liu has been cast in Shazam. Really? Too. Yes. So according to Variety, she is going to be playing Calypso, the sister of Hespera. Okay. So excited about this project. I yeah, mean, it's just started it, filming, I think. Yes. So Shazam, uh, Black Adam has started too as well. Yes. So both are now in, in uh, filming production. So I'm here for this. Uh, you know what? This whole Shazam verse. I yeah. think it's going to be a surprise yeah. for everybody. Shazam one was fun. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I guess it was with Black Adam. Uh, if the photo Dwayne Johnson put out the other day of, after him working out, yo, that guy's thighs are going to be jacked in that movie. Yeah. It's, Holy crap. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. So I'm excited for it. And like I said, Lucy Liu getting added to the project. Yeah. Um, like I say, this Shazam verse is going to be something for anybody that was a DC fan that's not into the Snyder verse. Yes. They're going to appreciate it a lot more. Yes. And even if you were into the Snyderverse, listen, Shazam is all about just a fun superhero book. Oh, yeah. It's not to be taken that serious. No. He's never really been that serious. It's going to be a little, you know, funny and goofy, but it works. Uh, two trailers dropped today uh, as we were recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, one I'm very excited about, and that's Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, yeah. which is appearing on Netflix May 21st. Uh, absolutely looks bonkers. David and Batista. for all you Zack Snyder nut jobs out there, there is no director's cut. Netflix gave him what he wanted, so this is the cut you're getting. So yes. shut the hell up. So you got a, a bunch of uh, fortune uh, hunters going around Vegas, and I'm, I'm just going looking for stuff during a crazy, crazy apocalypse. I'm here for this. Like, I'm sorry, just zombie explosions, man, sign me up. And on the flip side... You had Fast 9. Do we really need to say anything about that movie? I have been the first one to say this, and I will be saying this until it comes to fruition. This franchise ends with Vin Diesel doing a drift on Saturn's rings because they're going into space. It looks like they're going into space in this movie. It's going to happen. Like, like it's, I know they said they're going into space, but just from the way the trailer looks, it looks it, there's one shot where it looks like Tej and uh, Tyrese's character uh, are going into space. That it's, it's the only way you end this thing. I'm sorry. If you have ever seen Fast 1, Mia, I'm a cop. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. If you have ever seen that movie and now you watch Fast 9, how did we get from point A to point B? I still do not understand this. Reasons. It, yeah, it, it is reasons. Oh, my freaking Lord, man. This is just out of control. Just... It's insanity. I mean, that's the only way you can describe it. It is just literally insanity that we are this far. The explosions are bigger. Everything's just absolutely going crazy. It is everything that you want from the big popcorn summer blockbusters. Yeah. Don't ever go for a plot because Christ, seriously, no. you can just throw it out the window because that's it's a where summer. It's a summer flick. You go in there to kind of cool off because it's too hot outside and you turn your brain off. Yeah, you have to because the fact that these street racers are now the world's most elite fighting team 
blows my mind. Forget SEAL Team 6. We need to call in Dom. Yeah, Dominic Toretto, played by, or Vin Diesel plays him, has now just taken on an entire life of his own. Yeah. Like I said, like I, just, I can't even wrap my head around this. I am just watching, as we're talking, the Army of the Dead trailer again because I need to cleanse my palate from Fast 9. Listen, cleanse your palate with the other trailer that came out uh, from Ryan Reynolds, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, uh, which is the sequel to Hitman's Bodyguard uh, with, of course, Ryan Reynolds, Sam Jackson, Salma Hayek is in this one, Morgan Freeman, Richard E. Grant, uh, Antonio Banderas. If you have not seen the trailer, go watch the trailer. It's Ryan Reynolds. It's hilarious. Yeah, I'm down for that one as well. And like I said, Army of the Dead too. You can, Bounty Hunter is going for a heist in a zombie apocalypse in Vegas. Take my money now. It's got Batista. I yeah, I'm here for it. Like I just want to see big explosions. I know I'm going to see it with Zack Snyder. I'm not. I don't even care if they sell. They say Martha somewhere throughout the movie. I don't even care. Why'd you say that name? Oh, I don't even care. Like it, it could have happened in the trailer too, because I'm just like explosions and them just going absolutely crazy in Vegas. Enough said. I am here for that. Uh, and since Coach is not here, got to do a little sports talk. Keep it very very brief. Javian Clowney has signed with Cleveland Browns Good. for a one-year deal. Oh, Jesus Christ. Him and Miles Garrett. Yep. Fuck. So if Clowney can step up and uh, play consistent, <laughs> I put this on Twitter. I'm going to put it out loud. This is a big deal for the Browns. Absolutely. It takes pressure off Garrett, uh, but he's got to be consistent. That's the yes. one thing with him that yes. in recent years he has not been that so dominant I'm not force. Ex- I'm not expecting a hit every play like he had in that bowl game when he was at South Carolina, but something close to that. Yeah, something very, very close to it. And closing out because it's UFC talk, UFC 264 has been announced for Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Full capacity. Oh, okay. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, three. Oh, that fight's happening? I thought I got called off because of the bullshit with uh, donations. Contracts have now been officially signed. Mm-hmm. ESPN has posted about that, that was weird. Yep. ESPN is running that article as well, and Conor uh, posted as well, or he told Ariel Hawani, Quote, I signed the bout agreement this morning. I'm going to rip this game a new A-hole July 10th. The Mac is back in Sin City. Full house. Because there's already bad blood between the two of them because Poirier decided to come out the other day and say that I guess there was an, there was some sort of agreement. There was an agreement way back when that they were going to donate purse money to charity. And, right. I, and according to Poirier, Connor hadn't paid up yet. Connor stiffed to, him to the tune, allegedly to the tune of five hundred thousand dollars. Yes, which Connor came back and said, "Listen, we like to make sure everything's on the." And I'm paraphrasing. Everything's on the up and up, and the and the, you know all everything makes sense, and it's going where it's supposed to. And it was weird. It was weird, but this fight was too important to the UFC, so yeah. this is going to be locked and loaded. And they're saying that, like, a, this is absolutely crazy for me, but uh, Dana White has also tweeted out uh, in a video, too, that they're planning 100% capacity at the T-Mobile Arena for the fight. So I'm hoping for it if everything's healthy and we're all back in those. So does that mean no places. Dana White rage face? <laughs> My God. Yeah, I forgot about that face. Uh, no, well, if he didn't sign the seal to deliver this fight, he would have had that face. But this is the big one that they want to do. This is overshadowing the title fight for the lightweight title. Uh, I don't agree with that, but it is what it is. So if Connor loses, Coach Duffy, I don't want to be around him the next day. And if he wins, uh, trust me, he'll be going crazy on twitch.tv slash 67podcast when this happens. Either way, mark the calendars, July 10th. Uh, no news if this is going to be a typical international fight week. Yeah, hard to say. It usually is, but the fact they're trying to push, for, and they're saying the plan is for a packed house. Yeah. No restrictions. 
Uh, let's hope everything is safe and healthy to pull this off if you're going to do this because next week yes. is Florida, and that's going to be the benchmark to see moving forward. That all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf and Fair City Fire, and Brian's doing a lot of stuff on his Patreon. But, Pad, I have to plug another friend of the show. Okay. Because the one and only Tom Jolu okay. posted on social media that the new album is now done. And I am super excited to be talking about this a little bit. So they're doing something a little different for their album release okay. uh, that is not typical of what they normally wind up doing. Like, you know, usually everybody posts an album online. You can go stream or whatever. So what he has on TomJolu.com is you can go right now and sign up for Fools, Friends, and the Great Beyond. We have the link on the music section at ODPHpodcast.com. But you can go there, and I'm showing Pad this as well, that you can go right now, and what they're going to do is you sign up for the new album. Uh-huh. And it's a free, you know, to sign up for the email. Like, he'll, he'll fill you in everything else. So they, they talk, and then basically what they're going to do is they're going to drop a new al- a new song each month. Hmm. And they're going to give you the behind the scenes. And they're going to, they've, That's cool. they've got this whole, like, seven-part miniseries huh. discussing the process of making the album. Cool. Video series, you know, talking about the approach to you know, producing it. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get so much behind the That's scenes. Cool. Yeah, this is going to be definitely worth your while. So the sign-up now goes until, if I'm reading correctly, July, June 18th. Yes. Or, but the first single is going to start trickling out May 21st. Ooh. So basically what I'm going to tell you now is go to odphpodcast.com. The link is right there. If you go down to the music section, you find Tom Sholo. Go sign up for the email if you have any questions. Tom is an amazing human being. I can't say support him enough because he is just that fantastic of a person. Go sign up. If you have any questions, he will be more than happy to answer for you. And I am super excited to get that on the ODPH when he is ready to release that song. Maybe I can talk him into it early. I don't know. We're going to have to see. But at ODPHpodcast.com, you can check out the music section. For Brian, shout out to Robots, Second Suitor, Floodlands, who is staying put. They pulled off one of the best April Fool's jokes that their lead guitarist was fake and he was moving to Vegas. Ha! <laughs> We got that confirmed that Tom uh, from Floodlands was fooling everybody. Well played, sir. Uh, well played. You can also swing on over to the directory, which has Friends of the Show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in. Uh, shout out to the Apollips. Shout out to Innerd Circle. And shout out to our friends over at 8122 Productions, Rich Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Nanny Cool, who this Saturday night is going to do the one-chip challenge. God help them. Locked and loaded, twitch.tv slash 607podcast. They're celebrating their three-year anniversary party. It is going down. I'm going to be in attendance with a few other people. It's going to be a sight to see. Lock up the beverages. <laughs> I won't be around anybody when that happens. The fact they're doing this, these chips are ready to go. I can't stress this enough. If you want, They're to see- bursting at the seams. They were bought a number of months ago. Yes. So if you want to see two people suffer, tune in Saturday night. Uh, I want to say 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but if you just follow the channel, you get the notification. It pops right up. All of that, our T Public Store, which is going to be having some new designs dropping. Hint, oh. hint, hint. Plus, there is a sale going on. You just want to swing by odphpodcast.com and check everything out. And we thank you so much for the support. Because that's all I got for this week. So, for the one and only Paddle One J, fuck the Houston Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. I second that. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>